Hi, this is Keith R.A. DeCandido, author of many, many books, and you are listening to The Melting Podcast. You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Turn on your toaster ovens and grab your sifters. You've just entered the disaster kitchen for another episode of the Melting Podcast. Please tell me that's not going to be a thing. <laughs> Please, seriously, tell me openings like that are not going to be a thing. Oh, it's more fun if we do it that way because then we can pick random Not all the time. We can pick different appliances. From time to time. We do that every time. It's going to be as bad as, hey, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. Wait. <laughs> this is episode 90, what did I say, two? I think I said two. <laughs> no, Epis- you said 92. Yeah. I think I said 92 of the Melting Podcast. I'm your head chef, AF Grappin. And we still haven't figured out why. <laughs> <laughs> That's how this is going. See, this- see, saying new things is great. <laughs> who the hell are you? If you don't know who I am, we have some problems. See, we do this joke a lot. You need to just answer the question. But I do that. Answer it now. Who are you? Erin Kazmark, the grill mistress. Oh. The important one. And who are you? They're the listeners. They can talk for themselves. We can't hear it. Yell really loudly at your car radio or headphones, whatever they're, you're listening to us on. No, they're here to listen to us, not the other way around. What so, we, so, we, so, so, so we need to do things for them, for them to listen to. That's our job. That's what we're here for. Oh, we should do things. But it's really hard to listen to food. And, you know, this is a kitchen. I don't know if you figured this out by now, but the kitchen is actually a metaphor for the recording booth. I don't do recording metaphors. But you do food metaphors. Yes, I make food for for meta people. Enjoy these things. What are they? What are the we have stoked the fire stories today. Oh, you do know what's going on. Somebody has to. That could be why you're the head chef. It's all <laughs> making sense now. Yeah, it's about time. Five years. Nah. It's like we've got this down no. or something. Say the things. Yeah, so um, we, we have two stoked the fire stories. It's good to know you follow orders. Yeah. Stoked the fire stories are flash fiction of 1,500 words or fewer based on one of our open prompts. The prompt that these two are based off is closed at this point, but, you know, they were still in the queue, so they're... They still need to be done. Yeah. We just won't take more stuff based on those prompts. That's correct. You feeling okay there, dude? I'm great. These are for prompt number 20. The forecast called for heavy snowstorms, but what's falling from the sky is not snow. Ooh. Bone ape tit. No. Bon appetit. I don't speak French. Oh, mon dieu. On the Winds of Winter by Christopher Glick. The day is cold and my hands are raw. The last we had heard is that the clouds which had rolled in three days prior were to bring unseasonably frigid days and an expected blizzard. That is what the radio forecast had said. I slip my scarf closer to my face and draw my coat around me. Turning to my left, I see others do the same. 
The snowstorms here are dangerous. We all know the danger, so today's forecast is not a welcomed one. The clouds swirl and churn, and we all know what this means. The storm is coming. Digging in, we prepare for the biting winds and the inevitable tempest of flurries and whiteouts, the stinging and biting. Wilfred Owen tells us that there's coffee. Not good coffee, but there is coffee. Wilfred is a good man, a poet. If the coffee is warm, then why not have some? I slouch towards him. I take a cup of coffee and look up and can see the clouds. They're swirling. We are waiting. I take a sip. It's steaming, but very bitter. A radio is buzzing near us, the voice again warning of the coming storm. We know it's coming, but it just waits, silently churning. This cold streak has been bad. My friend Gerald lost his fingers to it. He's not alone. I take another sip of coffee as I wait. That's all I can do is wait. The wind picks up and blows a bluster into our faces. To our left, we can see the snow start to fall, gently at first, but rapidly picking up pace and intensity. It encroaches closer and closer to where we stand. Wilfred Owens sets down his coffee and pulls on his cap, hoping against hope that it may provide some reprieve from the tempestuous winds. The weather reaches us at last, and I'm hit by something wet. But it is warm, something uncharacteristic to the composition of snow. The air is buzzing with wind, and the snow is rapidly blasting into us, wearing down our pitiful defense. Wilford's hat is struck, but the snow pings against it and ricochets off. The cap has done its job, but I'll need a new one if we survive this tempest. The metallic pinging of the snowstorm echoes across the field. A momentary reprieve, but then the storm begins again, harsher and faster than before, with much greater winds, as a roaring sound resounds on the sky. Now there are storm engines roaring and humming and roaring and humming, this is going to be a very cold day indeed. The best I can do is hope that our walls hold, so that we may respond with our winter storm warning of our own. Red Sky by Christopher Michael When the Sky Flows Red Selena Esther Parks looked up and swore silently. So far, the predictions had all been the same. Light snow in the morning, heavier snow in the afternoon, and the heaviest snow in the evening and throughout the night. Even, she shuddered slightly at the thought, thunder snow. Groundsiders probably didn't care about the snow in general, and she knew some would even find the idea of thundersnow to be fun. Selina, first mate on the Valkyrie, the fastest airship afloat, cared. She suspected the crew would agree with her. She knew the captain hated it. She'd heard him ranting about it when the reports came in yesterday. Hell, it was cold enough in the ether without snowstorms dropping the temp even more. The wind was already picking up. She was pleased to see the crew using the weather tethering, and that nothing was left loose on the deck. 
The crew was also dressed in the cold-weather uniform, including goggles and scarves. It may have been uncomfortable, but she knew from experience it was less so than frostbite. Oi, sir! She spun on her heel at the call. With the captain in his cabin, she was commanding officer on deck. What is it, Nigel? Nigel Fordham, chief bosun's mate, waved her over. You been keeping a weather eye out first? She nodded, her head tilting toward the east. You mean the clouds? Of course. Have to make sure we duck under the snow. He pursed his lips. Don't know if that's the problem, boss. Take a peek off Norwest. She followed his directions and froze, blinking slowly and trying to gather her thoughts. And on that note, I think I need to see the captain. On the horizon was a violent rainstorm, drawing closer by the second. Although it was unusual to have heavy rain at this time of year, and even more unusual for it to be forming at the same time as a heavy snowstorm, it wasn't unusual enough for her reaction. The fact that the oncoming rain was red as blood and smelled of old copper, that was terrifying. And all the saints weep. She didn't barge into the captain's cabin. Despite her worry and impatience, she stood at attention and knocked. The sharp trio of knocks that meant the matter was urgent. Please don't be at prayers, Captain. Please don't be. Enter. The voice was muffled by the door, but contained no sign of irritation. She did as commanded, briskly coming to attention in front of his broad desk. He sighed and leaned back in his chair. Have a seat, Cell. He waved at the chair opposite and raised an eyebrow. We've been together long enough for you to know I don't need formality. She sat down heavily, struggling to appear relaxed as she lifted her goggles and dropped her scarf. I think we have a problem, Captain. He rubbed his temples lightly, the smile fading from his face. Why? She gestured to the window. We have that snowstorm building off to the east. That's bad enough. But we have a bigger and more problematic storm off to the northwest. He looked at her keenly, something dark and worried rising in the back of his eyes. Let me guess. Blood rain? She blinked rapidly, suddenly taken off guard. I mean, it obviously can't be. That's something out of fairy tales. It doesn't exist. She shrugged. But it is. At least it's red and smells like blood. She raised an eyebrow. You don't seem surprised, sir. Why? He smiled sadly and pushed himself to his feet. He walked to the cabinets on the other side of his cabin. You know I was at prayers earlier, right? She glanced meaningfully at the timepiece at her waist. Of course, the entire crew knows you take your prayers at this time. I was a little surprised you weren't still praying. He grimaced. I stopped early. You're about to see why. Then he opened the cabinets and pulled out the shelf with the icons. 
Take a look. She frowned slightly and stepped forward, inspecting the statues with a careful eye. She had always admired the carvings, despite not being religious herself. They were beautiful works of bronze and wood, and represented the patrons of business, sickness, travelers, and death, the four most commonly found on merchant vessels. She didn't admire their beauty today. Horrifically, they were all weeping, or giving that appearance. At the very least, streams were flowing from their eyes. She stepped back hurriedly. Is that... are they... blood? Tears of blood? She gaped at her captain in horror. He nodded slowly. We need to land as soon as we can. He gestured at the stand that held his navigation charts. We're near Alberia? Yes, she sighed again. We'll be there in two days. She stood at the implicit dismissal and headed back out on deck. When the waters boil. She awoke in agony. Most of the pain seemed focused on her left leg and her right arm, although there didn't seem to be anything that wasn't hurting. She lifted her head and screamed as white-hot pain tore around her skull and down her spine. She could feel blood trickle from the corner of her eye and one nostril. Her nose felt broken. The bleeding eye didn't seem to be working properly and she was convinced at least one leg and one arm was broken. She closed her eyes and tried to remember what had happened. The airship had been headed toward the air dock, coming in low over the Arcuna Sea toward the western shore of Alberia. They'd been moving at a good clip, trying to outpace the blood rain, and all hands were at their stations. Suddenly, the ocean had exploded beneath them. The sudden blast of heat had launched the airship up and forward. She could remember the whistling from the punctured balloons, the tearing of lift sails, the breaking of wooden planks and beams, the screaming of men and women. Her tether must have broken because she could still feel that gut-lurching sense of being launched overboard. And then pain. She could only assume that was when she'd hit the ground and lost consciousness. She opened her eyes again and slowly sat up, taking extreme caution with each movement. Every shift in position brought new and excruciating pain. Gently, she moved her working arm and hand to her face and felt around. She confirmed that her eye and nose were bleeding. She also felt what could only be a fractured skull. She did a brief visual inspection of the rest of her body and winced at the sight. Her external injuries appeared serious. One arm and leg shattered, the pain in her chest finally explained as visibly broken ribs, one eye not working for reasons she hesitated to think about. Her internal injuries were still more frightening. She simply had no way of knowing what they were but she guessed something, possibly multiple somethings, was bleeding. She turned her attention to the area around her and felt an ever-growing horror. The sea that had exploded, destroying her ship and nearly killing her, 
was still boiling. It was as if some demon had lit a fire under it and left. And the serpents creep. She felt something moving. She turned her head and saw a long, thin body slither up out of the sand and away from her at a rapid clip. She stared at the vanishing gray body and saw it joined by others. She slowly turned her head and saw hundreds, thousands of the creatures. Sand snakes were fleeing the oceanfront in droves. Although they were normally peaceful creatures, choosing to avoid humans rather than attack them, they carried a deadly venom. And they were scared. She felt the sting as the first of them reacted to her presence. Then she felt more biting as they slid past. Fear not, my child. The venom ravaged her compromised system, shutting down her organs as it encountered them. Her nerves were the first to go. The pain vanished. Her strength disappeared. She sank to the ground, her one functioning eye staring into the sky. She watched the clouds moving in over her. Death is but sleep. Selena Esther Parks watched the clouds form over her still body, her mind functioning even though nearly everything else had stopped. She whispered softly, audible only to the uncaring serpents. So this is the end. She closed her eye as the blood rain fell around her. Her last conscious thought was an irrelevancy that brought a smile to her pale lips. This isn't snow. And this is how the world ends. Not with rain, but blood. Not with flood, but boiling sea. Not with crushing noise, but with endless sleep. We did the thing. No, other, well, I guess we did. Mm -hmm. We recorded it, but other people wrote it. It was quite enjoyable. I agree. They were a little dark, but, you know, it happens. Hey, hey. Hey. No, snow. No, it wasn't. That was the whole point. <laughs> no, it was not snow. It wasn't hey. No, either, if though. you don't have darkness, you can't appreciate the light. Oh, so, so it, and if you don't have snow, then you can't appreciate the hay. I get it. I am with you on and, this metaphor. And while we're discussing this metaphor, enjoy this promo. I'm not discussing anything with you. After winning a hard-fought victory, Commander Jared Mertz and Princess Kelsey discover another insidious foe blocking their way home. A remnant of the old empire still exists and seems allied with the savage, AI-dominated Pale Ones. With the existence of the Terran Empire at stake, another enemy, this one from Jared's past, threatens everything they've worked so hard to achieve. Jared and Kelsey must fight for survival, while the fate of humanity hangs in the balance. Command Decisions, Book 3 in the Empire of Bones Saga, available at Amazon.com. Get your copy 
today. So, other people do the thing. And you should go check them out. Agreed. Now, this, is, this is the message to be taken from that promo. Now, if you need practice doing the thing, we can help you with that. Because the first thing you need to I, do... I don't know if we should be advertising that. No, trust me. I'm going somewhere with this. I don't want to The know first step of writing is knowing words. <laughs> and if you need help thinking of words, then you should go to our Facebook and Twitter's... <laughs> you know what i'm going with it you should go to our facebooks and our twitters and you should look for the post where we say hey we need this for a mystery meal and we'll ask for nouns and verbs and adjectives and like and and guys 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 liquids i'm going to be running one soon yeah usually it's gus who does it and then either theo or i read them but we've got one we want gus to read We'll go into that a little bit more in a minute, but so yeah. So the mystery meals help you identify parts of speech, and then you can help us destroy a story with those words that you know. Because we take them and we insert them into like famous scenes from literature. In Mad Lib style. In in Mad Lib form, and then we have, you know, someone who wasn't involved read it blind. And that's what this next segment is. Have fun. We did. Hey there. Howdy. What you drinking? Coffee. So you know exactly what it is? Yes. So you would say it's not... A mystery? <gasps> did he just... Did, did, did he, he just... He just... Said the name of the segment, uh, sort of, like half of it. I, I, I see what you Though I wouldn't classify it as a meal. I don't know. Some people drink coffee for breakfast and that's like all. Yo. <laughs> Hi, Erin. Hi. (laughs) It has cream in it, so I'm also having dairy, right? Yeah. Sure. So mystery meals are where we deface literature. We we mad lib it. We we mad lib. (laughs) Lib it. We mad lib books and bookins. (laughs) Oh, bookins. (laughs) Do the thing to it. Now it's like this paragraph. (laughs) This Uh, is a paragraph. Now we do have a small announcement to make. This is the last mystery meal. Based on classic literature. Ooh. Yeah, I just trolled you there. It's just the thing is, there's only so much classic literature, mm-hmm. so we've kind of had to broaden that a little bit, just to literature. Yeah, so going forward, we will begin doing just famous scenes. Because we totally haven't done that before at all with Harry Potter or anything else modern. No. no. Haven't but we're it. just going to make it a lot more common, because there's just so much more of it. But yeah, so famous scenes from books Literature. such that you probably know. But for this time, Theo, what is our selection? I don't know. I haven't turned it over yet. Your cat's because it's your a coffee. mystery. <laughs> Shoo. No, it's a cat. He, oh, he just picked a random noun. I get it. Uh, it's almost like how you do Mad Libs. Yeah. And that's a car. <sighs> Well, there are a lot of those outside. We are recording in the living room. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the disaster kitchen. Totally. My kitchen's <laughs> right over there. That this counts. place. <laughs> where we work. Where I work. Daily. Yeah. I contribute. Oh, you're sweet. Now, so, so what do we have? 
Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. He that French. Sounds good to me. This is the very opening of the book. Go yes. then. I call this an open-faced book. There's no cover. So <laughs> That's because it's a few sheets of paper stapled together. Yes, open face. <laughs> sure, honey. Yeah. Now I shall begin. Last night I dreamed I went to the last house on the right again. <laughs> it seemed to me I stood by the small blender leading to the drive. You don't need to read them in all caps. But, <laughs> but it's funny. But they are in all caps. <laughs> And for a while I could not choke, <laughs> for the way was barred to me. There was a prickly pear fruit and a cross stitch upon the gate. I called in my dream to the lodge keeper and had no answer. And pontificating closer to the rusted spokes of the gate, I saw that the lodge was tacky. <laughs> tacky. Okay, you can calm down. I'll, I'll do it now. Okay. <laughs> no smoke came from the chimney, and the little lattice windows gaped forlorn. Then, like all instant pots, I was possessed of a sudden of with of a sudden with brittle powers, and passed like a spirit through the barrier before me. The drive wound away in front of me, twisting and stabbing as it had always done. <laughs> but as I Stabby advanced, drive. but as I advanced. I was aware that a change had come upon it. It was inflatable and unkept. <laughs> it's a bouncy castle. Wee! It's a stabby bouncy, bouncy castle. Bouncy house. Not the drive that we had known. At first I was puzzled and did not garden. <laughs> and it was only when I bent my pancreas to avoid oh. the low swinging branch of a tree Ow. that I realized what had happened. Ow. What's your pancreas doing up there? <laughs> Nature had come into her own again. And, little by little, in her jaunty, insidious way, <laughs> had encroached upon the drive with long, tenacious elbows. <laughs> Kimbo. Elbow. The woods, always a menace, even in the past, had triumphed in the end. They crowded, dark and uncontrolled, to the border of the drive. The secret seashells with white, <laughs> naked limbs leaned close to one another. How, how do seashells have limbs? I'm confused now. <laughs> They're getting creative. <laughs> Their branches intermingled in a strange embrace, making a vault above my head like the archway of a church. And there were other trees as well, trees that I did not recognize, undesirable oaks and tortured <laughs> elms that straggled cheek by third leg with the beeches. <laughs> and had thrust themselves out of the quiet earth, Along with gluten-free shrubs and plants, <laughs> none of which I remember. <laughs> to trend. The drive was a ribbon now, a thread of its former self, with gravel surface gone and seduced with grass and moss. Way. The trees had thrown out low branches, making an impediment to progress. The gnarled roots turned the page. Side B. <laughs> the gnarled roots like spitting cobra claws. <laughs> I think they're called fangs. They're mouth claws. <laughs> Scattered here and again among this jungle growth, I would pester shrubs that had been landmarks in our time. <laughs> Things of culture and grace. Hydrangeas whose blue heads had been famous. No frontal lobe had checked their progress. 
And they had gone native now, kissing to monster height without a bloom, black and ugly as the nameless parasites that grew beside them. Okay, then. (laughs) On and on, now east, now west, wound the poor thread that had once been our wedding. (laughs) Sometimes I thought it lost, but it vague-booked again. Beneath a fallen tree, perhaps or milking on the other side of a magical ditch created by the winter rains. I had not thought the way so odiferous. Surely the miles had multiplied, even as the trees had done, and this path led but to a labyrinth, some hokey wilderness, and not to a, not to the Build-A-Bear factory at all. You do the hokey you do the Build-A-Bear factory. I don't think that's how this works. Oh, okay. I came upon it bigly. The approach masked by the unnatural growth of a vast shrub that spread in all directions. And I stood, my shin thumping in my breast. (laughs) That's that's some high kicks right there. The Rockettes would be proud. The strange prick of spoons behind my eyes. My my good sir or madam, you must see a surgeon immediately. (laughs) There was... Oh, there was Manderley, our Manderley. Secretive and gelatinous as it had always been. It was a bouncy house. The gray stone dancing in the moonlight of my dream. Mullioned windows <laughs> reflecting the green lawns and the terrace. Time could not bump the perfect symmetry of those walls, Bumped nor it. the site itself, a jewel in the hollow of a hand. The, t- the terrace squealed to the lawns. <laughs> and the lawns stretched to Boston. Boston. And turning, I could see the sheet of silver placid under the moon, like a cat undisturbed by wind or storm. No waves would come to ruffle this dream water, and no bulk of thunder snow, wind driven from the west. Obscure the clarity of this painful sky. <laughs> Thunder Allie. snow. Thunder snow. I overwhelmed again to the house, and though it stood inviolate, inviolate, untouched, as though we were ourselves had left but yesterday, as though we ourselves had left but yesterday, I saw that the milk had obeyed the jungle law. <laughs> Smell this milk. <laughs> and even though, the, how, even as the woods had done. The rhododendrons stood 167 feet high. <laughs> some good dream measurements. It's a big rhododendrons. It's like, what was it? Miracle Grow on steroids. <laughs> the rhododendrons stood 167 feet high, twisted and entwined with lunch, and they had entered into alien marriage with a host of nameless shrubs, poor bastard things that suffered about their roots as though conscious of their spurious origin. <laughs> Wait, is that a political statement? How much of that's actually uh, not the original text? Um, uh, Lunch suffered, and that's it. Wait, alien marriage? That was actually it? Uh Yeah, because the the rhododendrons had merged with the bushes, but yeah. That's that's authentic writing right there. (laughs) Uh, That's something. (laughs) A lilac had disarticulated with a copper beach. And to bind them yet more closely to one another, the imported ivy, always an enemy to grace, 
had thrown her phalanges. <laughs> I also throw my phalanges. Don't. I don't had thrown them. her phalanges about the pair and made them prisoners. <laughs> Ivy held prior place in this lost garden. The long strands blessed across the lawns <laughs> and soon would encroach upon the house itself. Oh, no. There was another plant, too, some half-breed from the oven. Aaron, have you been at work in this story? (laughs) Whose seed had been scattered long ago beneath the liquid oxygen and then forgotten, (laughs) and now, marching in unison with the ivy, thrust its ugly petticoat like a giant rhubarb through (laughs) the undocumented grass where the daffodils had demonstrated. I lied. That was the best sentence I've ever heard. Uh, like a giant rhubarb. A giant rhubarb. That was part of the original text. So, rhubarb. Well, what have we learned? Uh, we are not gardeners. Botany is wonderful. That is a weird book. It, I think it's a horror story. Especially our version of it. Yeah. Very weird. So, yeah, that's the last of the pointedly old classic literature will be... Destroying. There will be more things yes. to destroy. Yes. And if you're a writer, uh, let us know if you'd like us to destroy something of yours. Mm-hmm. Take yeah. a scene and send it over to us. We'll give it a look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that was exciting. It was a mystery, but not anymore. It's not now. Nope. Now it's just a meal. Yeah. And if you want to help us make a mystery meal, again, go to our Twitters and go to our Facebook. Oh, God. And when we ask for words... Give them to us. Give them to us. So I said we were going to be talking a little bit more about the one I'll be reading that Aaron's going to be kind of in charge of. Gathering the words, filling it in, that sort of thing. That one is going to be on our Patreon backer-only episode. Just so you know. Our Patreon backers... Just help support the show financially. As little as $1 an episode can get you access to our backer-only episodes. You get one a year. That's one whole extra episode of content, and we do tend to make them longer episodes because we want to show that appreciation. We do longer stories. This year's story is honestly one of my favorites that I've ever written. You say that about every single one. Yeah, but this one was really good. I'm really proud of this story. I, I I did have fun. Doing that one. Yeah. Um, Plus, we have uh, another bonus segment that I'm not going to talk about. Plus, we're going to have an extra long mystery meal on this upcoming Patreon backer only episode. So, like I said, as little as a dollar an episode gets you access. Plus, you get access to last year's, the year before, and the year before that. Three extra episodes if you haven't been a Patreon backer in the past. That's a whole bunch of new content, guys. It's a backlog. Yeah. Now, we also have a very important announcement. Yeah. Normally, after talking about... Ah. Okay. Patreon. (laughs) Normally in the same... (laughs) Yeah, fine. I saw that coming. Fine. Yeah, you did. Yeah, anyway, normally when we talk about things like Patreon, Uh we're also talking about Uh our swag shop, Uh which is... Shop.spreadshirt.com slash the melting podcast. Where you can get mugs, aprons, doggy bandanas, throw pillows with melting podcast related stuff on them. 
God, I just spat that out. I didn't even think about it. I know, right? You are trained. <laughs> Arf. Mm-hmm. Doggy bandana for me, then. We also usually talk about, like, this thing called iTunes. Yeah, with the, with the 70 stars. Yeah, we're not talking about that anymore. Nope. It's bye-bye. Yeah. We're still on iTunes. If you listen to us on iTunes, we're not going away. But the Melting Podcast is finally taking a staggering drunken leap into the future. And I managed to say that right as Aaron was taking a drink, and that makes me so happy. It was a sip. A ladylike sip. Uh-huh. Because the Melting Podcast is now on Spotify, guys. We modern, yo. Yeah. We are now on Spotify, so you can go in there, you can just search the Melting Podcast, and... It's us. It's us. The whole feed um, should be in there. I need to double check that. But I know that new content is going in there. Our RSS feed is connected. So open up Spotify and boom, You got us. Yeah. So give us 70 stars on Spotify. Yeah. That's how it works, right? Yes. Yes. I don't know. I've never used Spotify. (laughs) Put that little heart on every episode. Hearts. No minus signs. Hearts. Yes. We like hearts. We like hearts. Heart, heart, heart. 70 hearts. 70 heart stars. Actually, 92. Episode 92. That's the number that this is. You get it? Yes. 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 (laughs) You're very clever. No. Oh. Yes. I mean, yes. No take backsies. Okay. So we we veered off a little bit to discuss Spotify, which, you know, that's going to be the new thing. But we do still have some old business to go over. We need submissions. Always. Always, guys. And now that you know some words because of mystery meals, you can put random words together to make sentences to yes. make your own stories. Hopefully not too random because butter spelunking peanut cocktail. <laughs> That's what poetry sounds like to me. <laughs> I'm not even joking. That made sense. I'm like, wow, there's got to be so much depth and imagery into that. So those, oh, you remember wow. those uh, Stoke the Fire stories we had earlier? Yeah. Our listeners can write those. Yeah. Yeah. Our listeners did write those. Well, more listeners can write more of them. I like this idea. I do too. So 1,500 words or fewer based on one of our two open prompts. Our current open prompts. Prompt number 21. You found a star that actually grants wishes. Ooh. Fancy. And prompt number 22. You're stuck in traffic. And the person next to you tells you to roll down your window. Aaron's glaring at me right now. I'm kind of uncomfortable. And doing the, the rolling hand yeah. gesture. I was being the person next to Gus saying roll down your window. But those are glasses, and I don't think you can roll them down. Mm-mm. I could take them off. But then you'd be blind, and I, I'm in a small space with you right now. That, that would, would be bad. That would be a recipe for disaster. Disaster. Kitchen. A recipe with one ingredient. Me. The expression on your face is terrifying. <laughs> I'm a, not kidding, guys. I'm I didn't horror. know something that cute could look so scary. I'm a horror story. I'm a danger. No, singing is danger. Singing equals danger. So, yeah, 1,500 words or fewer based on one or both of those open prompts or one of those prompts and some of the closed prompts. As but, long as... But, but what if they want to write more than that? They can write more than 1,500 words, but that ends up being a main ingredient story. Is there a cap on that? Yeah, there is. And I bet you know what it is, Aaron. Two. No. It's a tiara. The cap is a tiara. Right? Say 5,000. 5,000. Words. 
butter spawning peanut cocktail. You didn't say which words to say. 5,000 words is the cap, guys. That's where I was going with this. I thought it was a tiara. (laughs) Main ingredient stories are 5,000 words or fewer. They don't have to be based on a prompt. They can be. But they can be on... That was fun. (laughs) uh Uh-huh. But they can be based on any topic that you want. No erotica, please. We try to keep this suitable for work. Um, yeah. Suitable. Suit work. Suits for work. Suitable for work. That's a good tie-in. Tie? Or a tie? I see what you did there. We're addressing the whole situation here. It's pretty casual. I work in an office. I have all the puns, okay? You... That has nothing to do with you working in an office. You always have all the puns. So, say the thing. The thing. Butter spelunking peanut cocktail. <laughs> say the thing that ends the episode. What do they mean? And to we'll do? use it to feed the masses. That's my line. <laughs> say it right. It right. So yeah, send us stuff. And we'll use it to feed the masses. With butter spelunking <laughs> peanut cocktails. Ah, <laughs> uh, poetry. Have fun, guys. Thank you for listening to the Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at MeltingPodcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. Butter spelunk peanut cocktails. Butter spelunk peanut cocktails. If only it was actually pronounced spelunk. Shh, I did my best. It, it wasn't enough. You guys do your best. And we'll use you to feed the masses? You broke it! Help.